0: Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard, and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what's happening across today's rural healthcare ecosystem. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This is Rural Health. My name is Scott Hertzberg, past president of the California State Rural Health Association, and I am thrilled to have you with us once again. First and foremost, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you for your continued support of our organization. The support makes this podcast possible, and we really couldn't do it without you. Now, let's dive into what's in store for you this season. We're kicking off with something special, a series of episodes featuring excerpts from our 2023 CSRHA Annual Conference. This conference was an incredible gathering of healthcare leaders, professionals, and partners from rural clinics and hospitals. It's where we could engage with candid discussions and celebrate our rural health community's resilience and thriving spirit. During this series, we'll bring you insights, valuable information, and inspiration straight from the conference floor. You'll hear from remarkable speakers like Peggy Wheeler from the California Hospital Association, Steve Stark from American Vance Management, and many others who are at the forefront of rural healthcare. But we're not stopping there. We have so much more for you this season. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a thing. You can also join our newsletter on our website at csrha.org so that you stay up to date with everything we've got to share. And hey, we love hearing from you. You can connect with us on x at csrha1 to share your thoughts, questions, and feedback. Your voice matters and it's a vital part of our mission to affect positive change in rural healthcare. So, with that, let's get going on this journey through the CSRJ annual conference. Enjoy.
1: So, next up, we will hear from City Star, uh, Regional Chief Executive Officer at American Advanced Management. And he will be talking to us about rural workforce challenges and opportunities. So, all for the invite. Uh, it's always nice to come to these events, especially I've known. A lot of people actually many years. I've been in Orchard Hospital uh, since January of 2015, in just about nine years. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little tale of Orchard. You know, 2015 was uh, maybe when California healthcare was better. You know, I don't know. It seemed like it's not worse. So in Butte County, which is uh, just north of Sacramento, where we endured in 2017 a potential dam that was going to break. Uh, the little dam we had uh the, the tragic fires in paradise california on november 8th of 2018 that wiped out you know, in the, in the town of almost thirty thousand. kind of closed the hospital as well and then of course twenty twenty, we get you know the first pandemic of its size that anybody in this room is ever experiencing we're still reeling from it and throughout know, those disasters and those things that affected all of us in the room, many of us at least in the room, we saw sort of this pathway. And as they just, said, hospitals generally don't abruptly close. And do you think that you can, if you've got good financing and, and honest financing, you'll see a trajectory that usually gives you what we call the runway. And uh, the need can kind of correct that path uh, and survive or you are going to what we did, we've did sort of a doomsday date. Said, hey, we've we've cut as much as we can, we've done everything we believe we can do. We need some some other type of support. So this presentation will kind of walk you through that just a little bit. So a little bit about Orchard Hospital. Uh, we're a 24-bed critical access hospital, uh, which really, for those of you that may, I hope really you know what that is, but it's really like the big hospital, we do a little bit less of it. And for being agreeing to certain rules by CMS, we get cost-based reimbursement. And that's a real big misnomer. A lot of folks that hear cost-based reimbursement think, oh, then the more your costs go up, the more money you make. And uh, I do a lot of time educating new board members and anybody that kind of believes in that. And in fact, you know, A, it's not cost-based because there's sequestration. So let's first say that it's not even 100%. A new cost is 99%. And then, of course, it's only your Medicare volume. It doesn't count for paper service, for medicality, managed care. So cost-based, you know, for most hospitals is much, much less than cost. So, but hospitals in California, rural areas have survived with that model. And many hospitals across the country have survived with that model. But what we found was there's a formula that happened in 2020 that kind of Disrupted that model even more constellation first. Then, uh, so we're currently managed now by American Advanced Management Company. They're a uh, site that I'll, I got a second part of this. I'll go in a little more detail about that company. Um, our hospital's about seventy-five years old. It was built in nineteen forty-nine. Uh, it's got seismic non-compliance. It's got. Uh, it was built when we probably had two hundred ER patients a month. Now we have a thousand. So, as you can imagine, we're bursting at the seams, but it's difficult to uh, build in California for many reasons, and being one of our um, hospitals, which I like to go and say that used to be a four-letter worm, it really made it a four-letter worm, now it's HTI, but HTI uh, you know, definitely has uh, laws that they have to adhere by, which makes building and during construction in small hospitals very challenging. So that that was one of the, I didn't want to candy bars. So I didn't say it. It's just one of the inequities in the large urban areas where you have large commercial payers. You may have margins that support large capital projects that otherwise you don't have in the small rural areas with 40 or 50%, almost 60% in our case, of Medi Cal. So um, we have about 240s. And that's so vital in our small communities because that's 200 jobs, that's 200 families, that's 200 times, 1.3 children that get enrolled in schools. It's all of those things that become, in most cases, the economic engine for a small community. And uh, there's a slide that I would have loved to have included because Peggy uh, had, had mentioned something that I would have added this that shows what happens to your community when a hospital closes. And there's a one-year mark, a two-year and in turn. Plot to that over five years, but five years without a hospital, community will lose 40% of its store enrollments, businesses will close, rent will, will go down, which I guess in the housing crisis might be a good thing, but it generally means uh, there's nobody moving in, so there's no So, uh, but I don't have that, but that, that is uh, will underscore, like you said, one closed hospital district in the community. Uh, we have a sites at both Grigley and Oville. so both in Mute County, uh, the hospital proper is in Grigley We have a little health clinic there, and we also have a little health clinic at Oroville. So we're not huge, but we're in a couple spots. Um, we have about 1,200 VR ER visits a year, or I'm sorry, 12,000, so about 1,000 a month now. Uh, we still have a five-bay VR. So as you can imagine, um, just about all the time, we're over full, people are outside. It's, uh, our door-to-door is still probably under two hours, so it's not bad, but it's definitely challenging to be within those constraints and, and really not being able to build Uh, We have a full suite of diagnostic services, lab services, respiratory. We're doing some geriatric site stuff for our seniors, which is a wonderful program. Um, And our average data census, we budgeted for 14, but I'm going to explain some of the strategies that we've implemented that's really got us full of and so that's part of our relationship with uh, American Advanced Management, which I'm going to use an acronym AAM, so I'll just I'll call it AAM now, but you hear AAM not a second. So, when I came to the hospital in 2015, we strategically started to say, look, if we could just target three things that we would say we could accomplish, what, what does the board want to impress upon me to accomplish? One of them, which I underline, is we need to bring ideas and decisions that can be executed to make sure that we survive the next 70 plus years. Um, our board members, two or three of our board members, their grandfathers, were the founding members of our hospital board and so you can tell that that's ingrained in small communities where there are often often generational changes on your boards and we have two board members whose grandfathers were who founding members their fathers were were members of the board and uh, these two are members of the board have been there for 30 years and so they want and now that they're in their 80s they want to make sure they have health care that their grandparents started to make sure when they need an emergency room visit or a primary care visit or to be admitted, they want to have health care close to home. So, so that's a real uh, important thing that our board impressed upon me early to say, look, well, we need to do things, whatever that means may be, we need to do things that didn't keep we're here another seven plus years. We also wanted to be uh, recognized by our citizens to understand the value. You know, in small hospitals, one of the things is if you have a bad advantage or a you know, patient experience that didn't live up to our standards, that spreads quick. Post office, grocery store, maybe at the school, uh, the dinner table. In larger urban areas, you can get away a little bit with making some errors because you're just another person that's going through the bathroom of healthcare. And so, so it's so mildly important to understand if you're the primary healthcare destination of choice for your own community uh, and that's one of the things we wanted to target you know we realized we need to be able to care for as many people in our own community because they're the easiest ones to get to the door if they're to the drive 30 miles to get to you well they've got a lot of options you know when you are going that distance so so we wanted to make sure to run campaigns that will describe how important this hospital is and they've done that we explain what our tax revenue does to our Economic engine. We explain this to our city council members and our electives to say, look, we generate X amount of millions of dollars a year. Cars are being bought at the local dealership, which feed into the city government. So you have to tell that story because it's easy for your community to just say, well, it's not really all that important. And if you haven't done a good job of educating people on the contrary, then you'll see that people won't use your own, your own service that you are trying desperately to keep in the community. And we also wanted to be named one of the top 100 places to work, you know, and that's employee satisfaction, that's doing the right thing, being competitive, uh, hopefully being competitive without the government telling you you have to have to do it, um, but doing the right thing. I firmly believe the market will decide what the wage needs to be. I wish the government would stay out of things like that. But here we are. Uh, minimum wage will likely, my guess, is it will signed. you know, those kind of 20 to 50% increases. So. So this shows you pre-COVID net revenue. You don't have to see the numbers are not really important. Uh, the ones that are above the center line means we are making money. Uh, the ones in the bottom of the line means we were losing money. All right. OK, there you go. So the, uh, thank you so much. The top line shows where we were having a positive margin, the ones below. Uh, and just to sneak peek, that, that big dip, that's March of 2020. Uh, you can probably have guessed that. Uh, but that's what happened, and so for this fiscal year, which was the one Indy in 2020, which for us would have been June 30th, 2020, we were actually uh, profitable by two, a little over two million dollars, about 2.1 million dollars, and we were really proud of these accomplishments. We had really started fulfilling our mission. We had designed with Aspen Street, which I see Nathan is here, a uh, potential new hospital project. We, we were looking at really doing some things right. Well, then the pandemic hit. In the following year, this is where our net revenue turned into. Uh, so, looks like we had a couple uh, months where we had a positive, but for the most part, 12 months of, of big, deep negatives. And we lost the following year, or actually, this was last fiscal year, uh, roughly $4.5 million. So, in a matter of 2020, to 2023, we had a $6.5 million shift in our revenue from positive to and. Negative. and this is what started the conversation really before this year, even, but it started conversation to say, we've got to do something different. We cannot survive uh, with those kind of numbers. And I, I would assume that many hospitals, if you are in the ring, may have similar slides that you've been shown by your finance people, but these were the ones that were shown to scare our board. And they said, Steve, we need to find a partner. It's too difficult to do this on our own. And this is where we found uh, AAM. And it's kind of a funny story because in 2017, a neighboring hospital closed the medical center uh, and went bankrupt in closed, And it was closed for about a year. And we, you know, I'm I'm in Gridley and just worrying about the patients because we were starting to see some some bleed over. And of course, RDR really couldn't withstand any of but this hospital is closed. And then some company comes into Calusa and says, we're going we to reopen hospital. I remember thinking, I do the this, guy but he's out of his Like, It failed before uh, Berlin, and it was a 48 bed Yeah, So it didn't even come to be a van to a hospital. Extremer. So it's not a group process. Not we we're too close to Mont Ryden at the in Marysville to meet that. we're also too close to one medical center, of Willows. So it was gonna be a 48-bed TPS. Right, right. those are part of those are cleaners, they are hard to run. They could critical access hospital so I think they did that one is a most hospital. There's probably like 5% of those that even exist now in the country. But AM came in and said, we're gonna save this little hospital, the closed hospital, which requires CPH and HTI, and getting your pharmacy license removed lab and X-ray and Clea, on non-mark, and just off- but I remember them thinking, you know, AAM had also just reopened. Well, it had, to be fair, it hadn't closed. The Glenn Medical Center was about a day away from closing. And um, they ended up saving Glenn Medical Center in went about 30 miles away. And I thought, well, let's, let's put out a request for a search to see who's interested. And what we found was in the world of Coda, which we were still wheeling for I know, was not an appetite for our large urban centers to really reach out into Urban. Um, they were struggling as well. You know, they have similar slides, I think, to what we saw. And so we reached out to AAM, which I have connected with the owner just on and off. We'd asked questions about hospital operations and just things. And, and so I Just out of the blue, we had just ended our board meeting where we saw slides like this and uh, the owner of the company, his name is Dr. they sent sent me a text and just said, Jason, how are you guys doing? Just kind of checking on me. I'm like, hey, good timing. Let's talk. And so we sat down and we talked. And over the next few months, we we broke through the deal. We are managed by only one. So I want to tell you a little bit about the company. Uh, They've got... Uh, a great story, really. They now have eight hospitals and um, they have come to the Northern Region, which they've you over and at includes the Medical Center, Glen Medical Center, and also Ocean Hospital. But really, their mission is to just preserve access to high quality care in small communities. I mean, it's really what it is. Uh, they've proven it over and over. Uh, it started out in 2012 with the closed hospital in Modesto, California uh that hospital right downtown was closed uh there was a general key care uh that was competing with Fresno and some of the other large systems in that area and the AAM decided to convert that into a long-term key care facility uh they found that that's really what that community needed. there was no transition from ICU into really anywhere else that was close so it actually was a friend of his who had his wife who was in a hospital in Sacramento, uh, but he lived in Modesto, and that was the closest that he was wife to to was Sacramento. He was a dentist, and he worked all day, at night he drive to see his wife, and he did home about midnight, and he would do that every day. And so that kind of gave the owner a thought of if we could reopen the desk, and maybe create that service, we will create health. And today it's changed since they built out; it runs about ninety-five percent full all the time. They get patients from UCSF, St. Davis, sacramental going all over uh, to run a long-term care or a care that transitions people out of ICU. And so that was really the beginning of the company health helped um, it. The next hospital was Sonoma, which was at the time Sonoma West, which was a long-term acute care. Uh, was actually, it was not a long-term acute care. It's now a long-term acute care. It had tough services that had done all it could to survive. It's in Sonoma County, which is a, a difficult market for a lot of in housing, especially, possibility. But also, there were two large systems within about five miles of this hospital. And so, they were trying to survive as a general key care hospital and just work through both in that market. So, they converted that to a long-term two-care. And it was 37 megs, and they upgraded that. Now it's 58. They just uh, got one and. But each time, so they should open the additional 21 days. So it's a 15 and then moving to Colinga. Colinga was uh, the next one. Colinga had closed as well as Mission Hospital in Fresno Johnnie. County. Very difficult. Uh, it's probably one of the most remote um, hospitals in the state, actually. Uh, I think maybe I'll tour a second, but uh, Kevin Kramer's site's part of the opposite, but uh, in the valley. With, with Susan there? Yeah. yeah, there's a couple. Uh, Colink is right there. It's tough to get to. There's not a lot to it. It's about an hour from against anything. It's survived many years because it had some prisons there that some meals the hospital. So, a lot of prisons, it sounds like, which actually made up more than half the population. What is the prison population? So, it's a very difficult market. The reimbursement model for the prison has changed, which really caused the hospital to fail. And nobody could have saved it, but AAM came in and, and, and they sort of learned their lesson from Calusa and that really made a decision just wait till the pandemic is over. Let's not try to open something in the middle of the phone. And, but there was a big shortage in the state that was occurring because kind of, people were getting admitted, patients were being cremated in LA hospitals. Um, they just weren't bad. And so another invasion called AAM and said, could you help Something with political we'll, will let them open on a temporary license. They did some magic politically and they opened that hospital and took COVID patients. And um, luckily, through that, uh, and because it was really as an exemption, they were able to do some needed renovations, some upgrades, and they are still now running it uh, as a critical access hospital. and told them, and uh, no, well, there's maybe COVID patients, but it's not a COVID hospital anymore. They did the same thing with the hospital down in LA County, uh, Pacific Gardens. They've since sold that hospital to another local hospital. And so, and then you fast forward to Orchard. Orchard just joined on July 1st, and we've been receiving cash infusions to kind of help balance things out. I'll kind of go through a little bit about it. I've I mentioned a lot of this stuff. You can see, um, they've got, they're the first company to bring a hospital out of and they state, so they had success in that. They need open to which is one another milestone really to the company. Um, they've got a, a medical group that has 60 loosely affiliated positions. They also had a nurse staffing agency, which they created during COVID, to let nurses instead of leaving our hospitals they go work for the the large registry agencies. We said, well we knew that the nurses weren't profiting what they were charging hospitals. You know, we knew that that could be the case. So we said, well, look, what are they offering you? And how about we just offer you that and you don't leave our hospital system. So they created this nurse agency, it's a very clever idea, and they, were, they didn't outsource it to others. They were making no profit. It was just a pass through to those nurses, but it helped keep the nurse stability where it, where it needed to be because many of us were extorted in you know, 200 two to three hundred dollar an hour rings for nurse uh, the nurse shortage. Um, and so that was a clever idea that kind of came to fruition very quickly. That company is called frontline nursing. It still exists today. It doesn't have as many nurses in it because many of them have to kind of went back to water to in the home hospital. Um, but some some really neat ideas that I think AAM kind of brought early to try and add some efficiencies and capability to what we're all trying to do. So they have um, Central Valley Specialty. Again, that's, uh, it's actually a hundred bed. It still has four ICU beds that are on the license. I call it a 96 because it kind of has those four reservation. You don't ever want to lose license beds. So they left the four as icu They have Sonoma Specialty, Kentfield, which are the two locations. They are, I believe, Vibra hospitals down in Marin County and San Francisco. Those are also LTACs. Uh, they have Calusa, which is a 48 bed with a six bed room piece set. Glen Medical Center is 47 bed, but we only actually used 25 bed which allowed us to get critical access hospital status. So we got some empty rooms there. That was also one that we activated for COVID. Uh, so we did fill up to 47 under the staffing waiver and the bed waiver during COVID, but it's like down to 25 beds, stays full all the time. Uh, we have Colinda, which is a 24 bed with a 99 bed uh, skill, DP skill, actually, in Orchard. Uh, we have 24 beds today, we have 25. We're trying to get it on the license. And then they're supposed to some urgent care. We have 12 rural health clinic locations. So it's a growing company. And for Orchard, what we found was A, there were some nice synergies to have three hospitals sort of close. You know, we borrowed meds when we went out. We can, uh, we've set up MOUs to share some staffing If we have some low us and somebody they may meet the home we can we can call one of our sister-neighbor hospitals and say, hey, buy have shifts and we were able to stay on staffing. So there's a lot of synergies like that which have been really helpful for us. Um, like the is, I don't know if you guys are following it. We were uh Luckily, Glenn had a lot of it, but they they haven't stopped piling. So those are some of the things that's been really helpful. Just, Oftentimes, if we don't have that type of antibody, we we'll are transfer them out. We're, we're moving the are out of our community to some other place. That you know, so those are some of the things that was, has been very helpful. So the development really is, you know, this timeline of events, which I kind of walked you through. Um, the typical uh, model hospital is one that's probably distressed, which there's a large group of those, uh Leo um but the hospitals that are operating very good and probably closer to the urban areas they're, they're probably not shopping for partners like what we were maybe you know, i'd say this audience is a lot of hospitals as well and most always may we may have a trajectory like we predicted and they may want us on uh, they're, they're interested i mean uh dr Singh is a gastroenterologist by trade but a very successful practice um he has a, a story that i can't share with you, because it's his personal story. And I don't feel like I can it honored, but I will just say he has a personal connection to trying to say about play with little analyst, to do with a number. And if you ever get the privilege of hearing your story, you'll, you'll understand why someone really spends his own money say a hospitals. You know, there's not a month that's went by that I don't think he's written a check to keep Calusa Hospital one But, you know, it's just, it's a CPS, it, It's just a difficult thing to reopen he writes to check every mark, but he, never, he doesn't even use the services there. He goes down a little more. So it says a lot about an owner to you know, give their financial to some other community of the own and, um And he does that time and time and time again. this city. And he did it in an orchard. You know, I don't need to go to our hospital until he uh, came in the to tourist and talked about me on the part of the chair. So, um, so it's physician-focused, so, Two of the board members of their trust are physicians, which is nice. So uh, we get a lot of clinical quality conversations about how to learn as a high quality organization. Uh, that's nice, So uh, we found value in that for sure. Um, going to stay, so they really try to find the right type of patients. So prior to us strong AAM, we were probably running more like eight to 12 patients in either a key or point. And today we're on we're at 20, and uh, we can't go higher because we are recruiting staff, but they have a referrals team that works around the clock seven days a week to find patients that either want to come to our community or get close to maybe their own community, and they work tirelessly to try to keep us full. And that's what it takes to be sustainable, it's really a bottle machine. You can only cut so much and when you saw those slides and showed our, you know, our event where we were making money and losing money, the revenue really never changed. It was the expense entirely that caused that. And, and the expense hasn't went back to pre-COVID numbers at all. Base pays for many of our technicians never went down and will never go down. And you know, now we're facing even more expense for payment wage increases. I did check the list, by the way, by I mean, we're on the list, so. I don't know yes, if that's good or bad I know. because uh, a couple of my naming questions are not on the list. So that back to you sound good, very well reality the for us. So uh, the market will correct itself, which probably means we'll be paying whatever they're paying for them. Anyway, we'll lose all those, those positions. So. So there's five boards over the company in India. Uh, Dr. Sand and Dr. Luar. They are trustees of the company. And then there's three investors that are part of the trust that um, have voting rights. And uh, so that's kind of the chemical makeup. And then the leadership team is a group of really about nine people that are kind of spread out and they all bring valuable uh, resources to really these kind of mergers and acquisitions. And they're all focused on trying to keep small little hospitals alive. So uh, we've been excited that we're part of this group. Um, I think without them, we looked at two pay periods ago, and that would have been the, when we had no money. That that would have been our that, that would have been, been our nuclear, nuclear option right there. there. Um, we had been infused enough money that it would have exhausted our reserves uh, two pay periods ago. So that, that would have be, been. It may not have been the end, but it would have been the beginning of significant service reductions. Is why which is the beginning beginning of the end. Okay, well, I really appreciate you giving me a few moments to tell you our story. If you have questions, I'll leave you for that. Hopefully you just stopped by if you didn't want to ask it in public one. So thank you, guys.
0: This is Rural Health, is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at CSRJ.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRJ Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association.